Ruth chapter 2. I know that as Craig is on uh, this mission, mission trip and then sabbatical, he is going to be missed and there will be um, some part of us, because we are a family, there's going to be some part of us that misses him here. And yet I am so grateful that we get to dig into the Word and that the Word is central and that this morning, once again, as we have over and over and over, we get to hear from our God. So please, if you are in Ruth, we're going to be reading from Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. Oh, please stand as we read this. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men to not touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? And Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, And a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord. For you have comforted me, spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. And when she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. And also pull some out from the bundles for her, and leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are here, that your word is here. Lord, that this is not just the opinion of a man. This is not just a good saying, Lord, but this is you communicating to your people. You're speaking to us now through your word, and we praise you, and we thank you for that. We thank you for this gospel message. Lord, open our ears and our eyes. Praise on Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Last Sunday, uh, here at Redeemer, we had a college uh, lunch for all the college students that have been Um, visiting Redeemer. And that was such a blessing. And um, for the first time when I was at this table with a bunch of college students, for the first time I realized that at some time, at some point, my sweet little daughter is going to grow up. And that might might be weird uh, that that's the first time uh, that I realized this, but it really was. Um, As I looked at these college students, I was like, wow, at at some point, Eliza May is, like these college students, going to go off. And she's going to leave the nest. And I'm not going to be there to help her and to guide her. And I had so much sympathy for the parents of those college students there. That they just, like, it was crazy to me. And I was telling those those students, I was like, you're here 
and you're in a, like a place that you don't know with so many unknown things, like so many different things about what you're living and going through right now than you have gone through in your past. I was like, that is amazing that your parents just let you leave the house. <clears throat> and, and I know that that was silly to say, um, and, and, but it was, it was crazy to me that, that the parents would trust ultimately the Lord to provide for their children. And, and we do trust that the Lord is going to provide for our children. Um, that the Lord provided uh, so well for me when I was at college. There was a professor there, Professor Uaro, and he cared about me, and we could talk, and we, we played golf a couple times together. And in a world of unknowns and in a place that was different and new, I had family because of uh, Professor Uaro. And in that time of unknown, having family... That meant all the difference. It meant all the difference that I had family around me. Well, as we come back to the book of Ruth, we see Ruth in a similar situation. She's left her home. Her husband has passed. She's in a foreign, faraway land, and she has no family. And yet, as we saw two weeks ago, Ruth goes out with a hopeful expectation that the Lord is going to show her favor. And she gleans in the field looking for someone to show her favor. And now as we come to chapter 2, we see Boaz and Ruth, and they have this conversation and this interaction, and we see Boaz show Ruth this overwhelming kindness and favor. This morning we have three simple points. First, favor, feast, family. Favor, Feast family. The first point this morning is how Boaz shows Ruth favor. Ruth, again, is a needy widow and a foreigner. And Boaz comes to her and shows her favor in all of the ways that she is needy. In every way that she is needy, he comes and fulfills that. And this is exactly what Ruth went out searching for. She went out expecting to find favor, and that's exactly what she finds. In verse 10, she says, why have I found favor in your eyes? In verse 13, she says, I have found favor. Ruth has found favor. And Boaz's favor of Ruth is overwhelming. In verse 8, he tells her, do not go to another field, but stay here. I will make sure that you're fully provided for. Just don't leave. Now, this might seem simple and insignificant, but this is powerful. I wonder if you've ever been at a friend's house um, or, or wherever else hanging out with friends, and you're packing up to leave, but your friend says, no, 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 please, please don't leave. I've been having so much fun hanging out with you. Please stay. I want to make you dinner. Please continue to be in my presence. And that's exactly what Boaz says for Ruth. Stay. Asking Ruth to stay is such a great kindness, and it's a beautiful answer to the rejection that Ruth has already seen in the face of Naomi. As Naomi said, go back to Moab, go back, Boaz says, stay here. In verse 9, Boaz continues and piles on this favor. He says, reap in my field. I'm going to make sure that you're provided for with food. He says, stay here. I'm going to protect you. I've told my young men to not harm you. He says, stay here because I will provide water for you. When you are thirsty, you can come 
and drink of what the young men have drawn. In every way, Boaz supplies her needs. Later on in our text, in verse 13, Ruth, as she sums up what Boaz has done and sums up this favor, she says, you have comforted me and you have been kind to me. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to me. With everything that Ruth is going through and all the pain and all the unknown, someone has been kind and comforted her. And Ruth responds to this overwhelming favor with humility. She says, why me? Why take notice of me? She's a foreigner. She isn't even one of his servants. Ruth has nothing but in every way and in every time. Boaz shows her favor. But that's not all that Boaz does for Ruth. Boaz also brings, him, brings her into this meal. And that's our second point, this feast. In verse 14, Boaz brings um, Ruth into this midday feast. He tells her to eat some bread and, and take some of that bread and dip it in the wine. She sits beside the reapers. She eats some roasted grain. Again, if you put yourself in the shoes of Ruth, a foreigner with no family around, she is welcomed in and welcomed into a family meal. I don't think there's anything more special for our families than a meal together. It's so special that Boaz brings Ruth to share in this meal. I think of the feasts in the Old Testament where God's people were to have a meal together, or the meal that Joseph shares with his brother and how intimate that is. Or when this prodigal son comes back and his father brings this feast and makes this feast together. And of course, well, we're all waiting for that wedding feast. We Sharing in the harvest that the Lord has brought us and eating with the people that we care about is so central to the gospel. There's a peace. There's a fellowship. There's an honor when you invite someone to sit at your table. Boaz shows Ruth his honor and his kindness and invites her to eat with him. And not only is she invited, but she eats. And not only does she eat, but she's satisfied. And not only is she satisfied, but she has leftovers. This is probably the first meal that Ruth has actually been satisfied with. Well, I think a lot of us can sympathize with Ruth. God created a wonderful world. God created you and I to be in good and healthy relationships. God has poured out goodness on man, and yet man has messed it up. Instead of inherently receiving peace and being satisfied, instead of inherently having a place at the table where you belong, we live in a fallen world. There are so many families represented here, and beautiful and good families, but even those of us who have close families... How many of the families represented here can laugh together and share a meal and know that they have one another, yet when really pressed, deep, deep down, we know that our Instagram-worthy family, with all the laughs and the time together, knowing that they love you, and yet we could still feel incomplete. still feels like there's something missing. I don't feel whole. 
For some of us, when we think of what Boaz has done for Ruth, we see so much need and we just desire so much that someone would show us that kindness. We have no family around and that's what we desire. For some of us, we have family all around us and still we want what Ruth has been given. Well, it's in this need that Boaz comes and overwhelms Ruth with favor. And we're probably thinking, many of us, I wish God would pour out his favor over me as he has Ruth. I wish I could be cherished and loved like this. And so often we think God is slow or doesn't hear or doesn't care. And we run to one thing or another. We look all around for this kind of favor. We look all around for this kind of belonging when it's right in front of us. Hear these song lyrics. If we only knew how deep the ocean of his love, how powerful every drop of blood, how much it costs to rescue us. If we only knew how far the east is from the west, how we are clothed in righteousness, how strong the hands that conquered death, if we only knew. What Boaz gave to Ruth is nothing compared to what God has done for you and I. The love, the comfort, the kindness, the favor that he has shown you and I. He cares for us so much. He loves us so much. And he tells us that over and over and over. And he showers blessings upon you and I. If we only knew how much he loved us and cared for us. Boaz's kindness is to point us to the kindness that God has shown us. And yet it even goes further still. There's a question that we haven't answered yet. And this question is central to this interaction between Ruth and Boaz. Ruth asks, why? Why does Boaz show Ruth all of this favor? What's so special about Ruth? Does he treat every foreign widow the same way that he treated Ruth? And this brings us to our third and final point. Boaz shows her this favor and brings her into this feast. Not because Boaz is treating Ruth just as if she was family, but he gives her this favor and brings her into this feast because Ruth is family. Because Ruth is family. Boaz treats Ruth like his daughter because by extension, she is. That's how our text begins in verse 8. He says, my daughter. And then he provides for her, shows her kindness, comforts her, brings her into the family table, shows her honor and respect, all because Boaz knows who Ruth is. Boaz knew that she was some kind of niece to him. And so he addresses her appropriately when he says, my daughter. This foreign widow who lacked so much and yet went out with this hopeful expectation, trusting God, looking for favor, just so happened to find family. She comes to Boaz, and as, or Boaz's field, and as Boaz sees this young lady in his field, his interest peaks. And he says, whose young, women, whose young woman is that? Hoping that the servant would say, that's Naomi's daughter-in-law, Ruth. And of course, that's what the servant says. 
And Boaz looks again at Ruth in the field, and he knows exactly what he needs to do. He sees his daughter, and he brings her into the feast and shows her all of this favor because she's family. She is not a nobody. He doesn't bring her in because she's a foreigner or a widow. He doesn't bring her in just to have someone to show favor upon. He doesn't bring her in because she deserves all of this favor and deserves a seat at the table. No, he treats her like family because she is family. But um, I can't just declare that Boaz knew without supporting that claim. So for, in order for us to be convinced that Boaz knew exactly who she was, we need to begin in chapter 3, verse 12. So on the th- threshing floor there, when Ruth comes to Boaz, in chapter 3, verse 12, Boaz says, I know exactly who you are, and I know that I am your second closest relative. So in chapter 3, on the threshing floor, Boaz knows. But the question is, does Boaz know here all the way in chapter 2? Well, if we look at verse 6, we see that the reaper mentions Naomi by name and says, yes, this is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. If we look at verses 11 and 12, we see that Boaz knows the whole story about this Ruth. So again, before Boaz talks to Ruth, he already knew this whole story, and he already knows that this is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. So the question becomes, when his servant mentioned the name Naomi, did that trigger in Boaz's mind and say, that's my relative, and then that is my relative's daughter? Did, did that trigger go off? Well, we would expect it to go off. We would expect Boaz to know exactly who Naomi was, because when Ruth comes to Naomi and mentions Boaz, Naomi knows right away, that is our relative. So we would expect that Boaz was, would know that he was related to Naomi as well. But there's also some clues within our text that the author gives and ultimately the Holy Spirit to convince us Boaz knew exactly who Ruth was even before this interaction. In chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And why add that detail? Well, That's exactly where Naomi and Ruth had just come from. They were in Bethlehem, and now they have just come from there. And while they were there, the entire town, the whole town, was stirred because of them. Everyone in that town knew that Naomi and this Moabite daughter-in-law had come back, and they were in Bethlehem. The whole town knew, and guess who was in town when the whole town was stirred because of this? Boaz. A second clue is in chapter 2, verse 5. Boaz specifically asks, whose daughter is this? Now, this can just be how Boaz normally asked about people in his field. Whose is this? You can understand a lot more about someone by asking how they relate to other people in the city than just asking who it is. Or this could be Boaz specifically asking, I heard about this story about my sister Naomi. I heard that they were back. And he sees this servant that he's, or this person that he's never seen in his field before. So it could be a pointed question whose is this? Because he wants to know if this is the daughter in law of Naomi. Not only that, but he calls her his daughter. He shows her all of this favor 
and brings her into the family meal. This generosity seems to go beyond just being kind to an, out, to an outsider. And the final clue that, that makes us to be convinced that Boaz knew has to do with all of the extras that Boaz gives to Ruth. So after Ruth is satisfied with the meal in verse 15, no, 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 uh, before that, when she's satisfied with the meal and has leftovers, and when Boaz tells his young men in verses 15 to 16 to let her glean among the sheaths and even pull out grain from the bundle, I believe that's a clue to say that Boaz knew exactly who Ruth was. And Boaz is striving to take care of not only Ruth, but Naomi. He knows that he has a responsibility to take care of Ruth, but also Naomi. And Naomi is the one who eats the leftovers from that meal. Boaz not only takes care of Ruth, but through Ruth also fulfills his responsibility to take care of Naomi. So Boaz knows exactly who Ruth is. He heard their story in Bethlehem. He recognized, just as Naomi did, that this is a relative of his. Boaz knows who he, she is, knows that her father-in-law has passed, knows that her husband has passed. He knows that she left her own parents and her own land. He knows that she has shown Naomi all of this kindness. And Boaz knows that he needs to take in Ruth as his own daughter. He is her close, she is his close relative. She is his responsibility. And that is, as it is his responsibility for Boaz to take care of Ruth, he doesn't just do the minimal, nor does he ignore the responsibility, but he takes her in, calls her his daughter, provides for her, brings her into his table, and overwhelms her with kindness. And this is the answer to Ruth's question in verses 11 and 12. She asks, why me? And Boaz answers her and says that he has done all of this because of what she has done for Naomi, his sister. And again, that's not literally his sister, but by extension, she is. Ruth cared for Boaz's close family member. You cared for my sister when her husband had died, when her sons had died. You clung to my sister. With everything that she was going through, you, Ruth, have been kind to Naomi. And because of all that she has done for his family, now he asks that the Lord would bless Ruth, that she would be repaid, that she would be given a full reward for all that she has done by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings she has taken refuge. He says, you know, I know all of this that you have done for my sister. And I hope and I pray and I ask the Lord that he has, and I, and I hope that he has brought you here that he might repay you through me blessing you. He asks that the Lord would bless her and Boaz knows that he is the one to be the instrument in the Lord's hands to bless Ruth. So Boaz's favor, an overwhelming kindness to Ruth, was not arbitrary. 
It's not arbitrary. It was because she's family. And that doesn't make the kindness less. It actually makes the kindness all the more special. As Ruth will look back on this conversation that she had with Boaz, as she later learns that Boaz is her family redeemer, she will know that the kindness that he showed her was less based on what she had done. It wasn't based on her looks. It wasn't based on Boaz's random mood. Boaz's kindness was based on something that was true and something that will never cease to be true. So the next day, if, if Ruth wakes up or if she sins or messes up, or if in years later her beauty wanes with age, or if Boaz wakes up one day just in a different mood, she doesn't have to fear. This favor and this feast will always be hers. These blessings will always be hers because it doesn't depend on her, nor on chance, nor on a random mood of some person. All of this depends on her relationship to her elder brother. It depends on something outside of herself, something that is unshakably true about who she is. Are you in the family? Are you a part of God's family? Or are you an outsider and a foreigner? Well, all of us are born foreign hostiles. And yet, we, like Ruth, all of us are invited into the family. Jesus sent out his word and he calls all, the entire world, to come. And he invites the entire world to come to this wedding feast. And he calls you this morning to acknowledge your need to turn away from your sins and your evil ways and to trust in Jesus Christ alone. It's an invitation for all those who are not of the family of God this morning. Take this invitation. Be brought into the family and be ready with open arms to receive all the blessing that's, that God pours out upon his children. And Jesus not only calls out this morning to the outsider to welcome them in, but he calls out to his people this morning. He calls out to you and says, My daughter, my son. Like Boaz and Ruth, you and I this morning have had a conversation in an interaction, but it's not just with another human being. We have had a conversation. You and I have had an interaction with the God of the universe. And the favor and the feast that he has invited us to this morning is more amazing and more glorious than anything we could ever imagine. And he invites you, his daughter, his son. Boaz knew that Ruth was, by extension, his daughter. Yet, Ruth does not relate to Boaz as family. She calls herself a foreigner. She calls herself a servant. So often, you and I, we cannot fathom the truth that we are the dearly beloved children of God. We often think of God as more of our master or maybe a distant uncle. 
We're so slow to grasp God's love for us and His disposition towards His children. But even as you and I are slow to believe, the truth remains. God loves and values and cherishes you, His daughter, you, His son. He overwhelms us with favor. But many of us will still wonder why. Why me? Just like Ruth, why does God show me this kind of favor and kindness? Especially because you and I haven't done anything like Ruth did. Ruth joined herself to Naomi, clung to Naomi. And that was the good thing that Boaz saw and said, yes, you've done this for my family, now I'm going to do this and bless you. But you and I, we haven't joined ourselves to someone so that we can be brought into the family as Ruth joined herself to Naomi. We haven't joined ourselves to someone. But the good news of the gospel this morning is that someone else has joined himself to us. Jesus Christ has joined himself to us. He has perfectly fulfilled the law. He is the perfect Son of God. He deserves this full reward. Jesus left His Father's side, went to a foreign world, to a place where the people did not know Him, and He died on the cross. He died on the cross for you and for me so that He could join Himself to us. Is that good news? Amen. He died so that you and I could be brought into the family. He died in order to take all of your sins and all of your failures and exchange those sins and that failures with the right to be a child of God. Brothers and sisters, the way that God looks at you, His favor, how He relates over you, is unwavering. Because how He looks at you is not arbitrary. It has, nothing to, it has so little. It has nothing to do. Nothing to do with your actions. What you think of yourself, what other people say of you, how other people think of you, God's disposition towards us doesn't change. How He looks on you doesn't change. It is unwavering because it is not arbitrary. It is not random. He will always love you, care for you, be at your side, hold you in the palm of His hand because you are His child. And that will never cease to be true. No matter your shortcomings, no matter the day or the time, no matter what you think about yourself, you are a child of God. Your value is based in something unwavering and outside of you. And this, as His child, God loves you, blesses you overwhelmingly, and welcomes you to the table. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you. Oh, we praise you. That Lord, as aliens, foreigners, needy, weak, sinful, hostile to you, doing no good in and of ourselves, having no desire to cling to Jesus in and of ourselves, yet you looked upon us and for some reason, Lord, you shined your smile upon us 
And you chose us and you said, that one is going to be my son. That one is going to be my daughter. And Jesus Christ came and died on the cross so that that could be true. We thank you, Lord, that our identity before you is unwavering. How you look upon us is unshaking. We thank you for your love and that you've brought us into this family. Help us to know it and live it. Praise on Jesus' name. Amen.